that is uh that is peak uh that is peak uh probably 2012 skinny los angeles hungry e- emo ebass just for you and all the people there rocking the uh i love that deftone shirt i still that's got a it great somewhere. shirt is this and a motel? Are you guys on tour with this picture? Or is this- that is that is actually at the Roosevelt on Hollywood Boulevard. And I mean, you can't get more Los Angeles than that shit, man. Ah, look at that. We were making uh, we were making amaryllis at the time, and uh, yeah, I'd gotten into self photography somewhat. Is what's and- the uh, the thing? Is that like a handle on the bottom of it? Yeah, that's uh that's I was doing a bunch of video stuff too. So that's a handle for video and uh funny enough that's a Nikon D90 camera and it's old as hell now, but I actually just bought new batteries for it. So I'm going to resurrect it somewhat. Um but anyway, I'll count you down to uh disappointment here. 3 2 1 Yeah. There we go. This is what you get now. The worst. <laughs> Uh, uh, I am super jet lagged, man. Did you get I, home last night or the day before? I got home the night before, but, uh, yeah, I try to keep my schedule waking up early and doing all of that stuff, but out, you know, I was in Los Angeles for a week and, uh, I was waking up early, but that's late here. So I just got on, you know, I got on a, that later schedule. So, uh, Yeah. But uh, it was fun, man. A lot, got a lot of good stuff accomplished for what I'm working on. I got to be in a room with... Uh, it's really interesting. I spend a lot of time being creative in this room by myself. Yeah. Like a, good bit, a good bit of the time. And it was nice walking into a room full of... I was in an art studio. But it wasn't just an art studio. There was a podcast studio in the facility. Yeah. There was uh, a couple of other things going on. Um, I wish I could remember this guy's last name. His first name is Greg, and he's an actor. And I've, you've seen him in a ton of stuff, and I've seen him in a ton of stuff. Uh, I just can't remember his last name. I feel awful. But uh, he owns the the space, the, the building. Um, but uh, it, it, But then my friend Rob's art studio is in there, and he's got himself plus four or five apprentices in there, these 20-something individuals. They're younger. And it's just nice being in a creative space like that where you have a ton of people being uh, being creative all at the same time. And it was really refreshing. And now that I'm home, I feel like I need that again. So I'm just sitting in here uh, trying to figure out, do I need to get five or six apprentices <laughs> to hang out? In you you have you have Kelly and the horses with like painting stuff in the background. They're all... Uh, yeah, thousand percent. Yeah, I'm just going to bring the horses in here and Kelly and that'll be my... That'll be what I do. So. How often does Rob paint? Like, is he, is that like a, I mean, for people who don't know Rob Pryor, how prolific he is, and he's like one of the few people who can paint with simultaneously two different pictures, right? Well, not, I've never seen him do two different pictures. He uses both hands to paint one picture, though. He, he's ambidextrous. So he's he's in here with two brushes. You know, one brush might have one color, one has another or something like that. Yeah. He's in here. Uh, it, it's Rob Pryor. If anyone wants to look him up, it's, uh, uh, P R I O R, 
Pryor. And I think his Instagram is Pryor2, that's the number two, Pryor2 Art, um, I believe is, is what that is. Um, but uh, just a, you know, an astonishingly talented human yeah. being and and a and just a great dude, man. Uh, he and I have an awful lot in common with certain things. And, and I've known him for, wow, I've probably known him for 18, well, not 18 years, 15 years at this point, maybe something like that. And, uh, but really just in the last um, two years, he and I have grown really close th through some things. So um, it's just, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's also really interesting having friends in different artistic disciplines and, and, and drawing on those, the way they do things and kind of bringing them into my world. Something really interesting happened on that trip as well. We're, you know, we're, we're, we're supposed to be there working on some things I'm working on and he got sort of, uh, uh, I won't say, uh, blindsided, but kind of some last minute things came up and, uh, he was actually got, um, commissioned to paint three pictures of Floyd Mayweather and then go to Las Vegas and paint live at Floyd's party in Las Vegas. I like get Super Bowl week yeah. party. And, uh, and so, uh, he ended up having to work on one of those Floyd paintings one day when he and I were supposed to be working on some other stuff. And, uh, my initial reaction to that was to be a little frustrated. You know, I'm there to do this thing and, and, uh, but he can't help it. You know, he's got things to right, do. Right. And you know, I did something very interesting. I, I don't know if we talked about it on, on one of the previous podcasts or not, but, um, you know, I've been working on a lot of different things and feel like I'm getting, uh, things are starting to become chaotic in a bad way for me with those things, trying to keep everything together. And, you know, I just turned everything over to God, right? I was like, just, yeah. Hey, man, I need, I need help with this. Uh, you, I need, I'll just, I'll take the steps and I'll do the work, but you got to help me with it. And so in that moment, when, when I was starting to get frustrated, I, that I remembered that, that, you know, I have, uh, I have turned over the control to a, a higher power. And, uh, so in that moment, it was, it was really interesting the way I calmed down and I just went, I'm right where I'm supposed to be right now. I'm supposed to be here and this is happening for a reason. And so what I did was I, I pulled up a chair behind him and watched him paint. And it dawned on me in that moment that he's seen me play live more than a dozen times. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, and I've never watched him work. I've never watched him paint. And so I got to sit there and watch my friend you know, pull out of thin air this amazing work of art of an amazing athlete. And, uh, you know, in that moment watching him paint, because he, Rob, when he paints, man, it, it's, it's a, it's a full body event. Like he's, he's, yeah. he's, he's doing this stuff, but he's, 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 he'll pay, he'll close his eyes too, man. He'll close his eyes and paint and he won't mess anything up. Like he, he can see it in his mind's eye what he's, where he's supposed to go with these lines and what he's supposed to be doing or where the colors belong without even looking at it. So he'll, he'll be painting and then he'll put his head down and he'll do this and he'll look back up and then he'll kind of like, he'll spin around 
you know it's very yeah. very very playful and like childlike and uh so that was the first lesson was was watching him do that and really thinking to myself uh and by the way at the same time i had one of his apprentices off to the side painting something completely different and i was like kind of in, in certain moments going his one of his apprentices name is, is naomi she's super talented naturally all of them are uh but she's over here working on something else so i'm like watching her do something and watching him kind of back and forth and it really reminded me to be more artistic when i'm working you know like, like I, I i get caught up in in uh the thing i'm working on has to be great right the thing i'm doing yeah. has to be amazing and i'm pushing myself and and it almost it 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 has a tendency to become i can become too analytical with it uh so that was the first lesson the second lesson was that night uh, and Sanjay was with me on this trip, by the way, uh, documenting things and taking pictures and video and whatnot. Um, but so, so they invited uh, his Rob's wife, Bev, invited Sanjay and I to their house for dinner. And they have two twin girls, two little girls. And I think they're nine, eight or nine years old. And this was the most important lesson I got. That, that that I have gotten in a long time, but definitely the most important lesson of that week was um, these two little girls just, they wanted to play piano for me. So they each went in and played improvised on the piano. Yep. And what was interesting is they're twins, but one improvised this beautiful, these beautiful things and the other one improvised darker things. And it was very interesting and it was very real. Uh, like, I mean, like they came from two different planets, the, what one played and what the other one played. Uh, and then they wanted to show us, they have these, um, and I don't know what they're called, but they're sort of these drums. They sound like steel drums, sort of, but they, I say I call them the drums. They're not traditionally drums. They're these metal uh, uh, spherical uh, spherical metal things, and you hit the notes on them, and they have doom, 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 doom. Yeah, doom, I, doom, I know what you're doom, talking doom, about. Doom. Yeah. yeah. And so they wanted to play those and they showed us that. And then one of them said, I want to play my cello for you. And she broke out her cello and she's just, she, but here's the thing. It's not, uh, she's just learning, right? She's just started cello. So she's just going, rank, 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 dink, 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 dink. and in that moment, I said, I told her, I said, I've never played a cello before. Could I play your cello? That is so not like me, by the way, because I want to be great at everything I do and I don't want anybody to see any of my flaws, right? Yeah. Um, but I grabbed this cello and I made some terrible noises with it in front of these these little girls. And they loved it. They loved the fact that I was playing the cello. The ultimate lesson in all this was, you know, I, I looked at Rob at some point and I just said, man, I've forgotten how to be a child. When when I'm doing, I mean, I have this this medium that I get to work in of music and sometimes i get to work in other mediums like writing or or you know maybe photography or something like that i paint we talked about the, some of the yeah. painting stuff even though i'm terrible at it uh but i've forgotten how to be childlike with it and just they didn't care the, the interesting thing about the piano was was they were playing random notes but in those random notes they would all of a sudden these these themes would arise and these chord changes and key changes would come in that were if if it had been intentional would be considered genius or brilliant right right so 
I, and I'm not saying that it wasn't intentional, but it didn't seem intentional anyway. They were just doing this, you know, playing freely. And I was, I just looked, I, I thought to myself, I said, when is the last time I sat down at a piano and just played random notes without any intention whatsoever? I'm always trying to find some chord structure and melody yeah. over this chord thing. And it's things I've done before. I feel like I sit down and just play the same chords over and over again. And I've forgotten how to be a child. I've forgotten how to, to that, that I have a, uh, a sandbox that I can play in professionally and I've forgotten how to play in it. You know, is that, is and, that childlike behavior only attached to the music realm you're in? Cause like, well, we, if we, we have a day off and you, you're one of the first people that, Hey, let's go rent a car, crawl outside a glacier, maybe get collapsed upon or get lost <laughs> in the woods. Like everything right. we do outside of music, you're the first one to kind of push the boundaries of, Oh, there's a trail might not be a trail, but let's go walk it. We have an hour. Yeah. But when it comes to music, it seems like you get kind of like boxed into your own corner. Yeah, it's because I take it too seriously, I think. I mean, it is serious. At the end of the day, it is serious to me. I mean, it is, I, I do want it. It is, I, I, and, and the rest of the band, we all, we all take, we want to deliver great things to our fans, right? Yeah. Um, and to ourselves. We want, to, we want to prove it to ourselves first and then the fans get to enjoy it. Um, but in that, I get, I get too brooding and too serious about it, man. And it was a really, really, yeah, I, and I don't do that with other things. Just um, funny enough, Sanjay and I were we were driving up on Mulholland Drive the other night, trying to find a lookout spot that we could film some stuff, looking out, looking down over the city. The sex scene. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> Second one of the night. Yeah. So, uh, we were both a little spent, but you know, we, we were really making an effort. Yep. Um, but uh Los Angeles just had a bunch of rain and so not you know I guess it's important to the story. Mulholland Drive is really long. It runs from one side of the city to the other, basically. Uh and it starts out paved and then it turns to a dirt road up in the up in the hills, up in the mountains, and then turns to pave pave again and paved again and goes down into Hollywood. And we were up, we got up one side and got into the dirt part and it started you know we could tell that the rain had washed out a bunch of stuff on the road and i mean the minute sanjay saw the first rut he was like if he was driving he's like oh man we got to turn around and i was just like you have no spirit man let's go let's go let's go and i kept pushing him to drive further and further and further we're in an suv and he's going i don't think it'll make it i don't think it'll make it i'm like dude i'm so ashamed of you right now I was just yeah. like, we did finally get to a point where I, even I was like, it's probably not a good idea if we go any further. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. We arrived at the point where I thought we shouldn't go any further. And we there's no one up there. I mean, there's no there's no cars coming or anything. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here comes this car. And I mean, it is this dude is tearing Hell yeah. through this dirt and mud in a but it's a it's an Amazon band. <laughs> this guy's just just, just like wheels around us and keeps going. And I'm like, man, I suck. I stopped too early. You know, he's <laughs> this Amazon guy. He's just like, he right. doesn't care. Bobbing it. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, man, like having that, it, it the, the, those girls and Rob, cause it, that's in their DNA from him. And Bev, his wife is, is also extremely talented. She's a, she's a really great writer. And, um, uh, amongst other things, uh, 
but so they 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 come by it justly but watching them just not give a shit about who's standing behind them listening to them they're proud of everything they're doing even you know and again there is no good and bad in that scenario right they're playing these beautiful things that are just coming from a child's mind and it's amazing and i'm and like i say watching rob paint it's the same thing there's some there is some uh it's almost like he becomes uncaged in that moment not 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 in a maniac kind of way but like you know all of the that's what he's there to do all of the 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 pressures of anything else go away and he's just right doing his thing and so it was just a good lesson. It was a good lesson to learn to be more artistic and learn to and, and try to be more childlike and not uh not get so stressed out about making the things I make, whether it's a a painting or a shine down record or whatever. Now if I, I it will be it, it remains to be seen if I can carry that with me. And moving forward but there was a time there was a time when i didn't care about any of that stuff i just made things and even in my professional career i just made things and and i always want them to be good and i was always worried about that to an extent and uh but yeah that was the uh i mean that was the big spiritual takeaway from my my los angeles trip right and sanjay sanjay and i talked about it a bunch you know because you know he's his daughter you know, he talks about the how she's the same way, and I don't have any kids, so maybe that's why it was so, yeah, jar jarring to me with to, to walk into that space and and. But it reminded me too, like that I used to be that way because they, you know, they were playing in the hallway and they they were pretending and uh they you know the the hallway was a river and they were on this boat and they had this they have these this giant stuffed alpaca, you know. And they put the alpaca on the back of the boat, and the boat is a blanket, and they're paddling down this river. One of them's pulling the other one, you know, and they're just, it was just this play that they were doing. And right. it was, uh, it's like, man, what happened to us? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Did you ever have, like, when you were becoming an upcoming musician and doing all that stuff, did you ever have any, like, roadblocks along the way from, like, a family or someone that kind of looked at that going, what are you doing? Like, why aren't you doing military? Why aren't you becoming a full-time uh, whatever or something else? Like, was there any type of like family or were they just like fully supportive from the onset? No, I don't remember ever being told not to be who, who you're meant to be. I, I, I don't think so. I mean, there, there was obviously trepidation when I decided that I wasn't going to go to school or go into the military or yeah. do anything like that. And I was going to go, try to pursue music because they did they you know that's a 100 percent failure rate and they didn't want to see me fail <laughs> you know uh i guess it's not not fully 100 percent, 99.999 percent failure rate um so but no man i i think well look my dad was strict my dad was super strict he was a i i've talked about it before i don't know some people might know this but uh he was a naval commander uh, he went to military school when he was 14 years old, then went to Annapolis, then went right into Vietnam in the Navy. Uh, yeah. And so, well, he, I guess he had been in. My my dad was born in 1936. So, um, 
he was older when I was born. My dad was almost 40 when I was born. Um, so he had already lived a whole life and had a whole career before we ever even came along. And he was still in the Navy, you know, when I was, when I was a kid, he was in the Navy for 10 more years, 10, 11 years after I was born and then got out. Uh, but he was super strict, but he had a really, he had a playful side as well. I just don't think I saw it as much as my sisters did because I was the boy and I was the oldest. Yeah. Um, but I was, uh, I was scared of my dad. <laughs> I was a kid, man. You know? So maybe that's it too. Maybe I had this fear of my dad that my sisters didn't have. It's interesting at his, when we were preparing for his funeral and, the minister who was going to be doing the service was asking he had he had the whole family well my my sisters and i on a zoom call and was just wanting to get you know everybody you know say one 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 word one word answers what comes to mind when i say you know when you, when you think about your dad in this way what's what's something that comes to mind it didn't have to be one word but it was just you know we were all throwing out things that reminded us of excuse me, reminded us of, of my dad. And I, I had thought about speaking at my dad's funeral, but I hadn't really seriously thought about it. Like it seemed like something I should do. I should say something at my dad's funeral. Yep. And I was thinking about that even before he passed away, like leading up to him passing away. Um, but I kind of had decided not to, but it was interesting because all of the answers my sisters gave about my dad and we'd never done anything like this were nothing like the answers I would give. Oh, it was, it was completely different. They, and I don't mean this in a bad way. It's just, I think it's just a father son thing rather than a father daughter thing. I have three younger sisters. So, um, everything with them was, you know, give me some words to describe your dad. It was, you know, protector and, and, uh, uh uh loving father and blah. it was very pollyanna if that makes sense if, if I, there was a movie called pollyanna yes. she viewed everything through a through this through rose colored glasses right but everything from everything with uh with my dad was uh for me when i thought about it was stern strict you know uh leader yeah these types of things and so I realized in that moment that I had to speak at his funeral. I had to say that was the moment that, 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 where I was like, well, none of the things that I, you know, that yeah, I think yeah. about my dad are coming across. <laughs> and so I called the the minister the next day and he's a guy that I know very well. He, uh, uh, he was in the church I grew up in. He was a few years ahead of me. Um, so, but I, I I knew him pretty well. So I called him the next day and I said, Hey man, is it okay if I say something? I said, it won't be long. I just want to get up and say it. Of course, the way I talk, it was 25 minutes. I oh, sat yeah. up, I talked, I talked, I talked about my dad for 25 minutes. I knew everybody wanted to leave. Yeah. Uh, probably. <laughs> but, uh, but I thought it had to be done. So just interesting. I don't know how we got off on that tangent, but it was just interesting that, uh, that my sister's memory of my father was a different memory not and mine and, and not bad like i said mine wasn't bad or whatever it was just a lot of all the things that i tried to portray uh, that i really remembered about my dad were uh 
were these life lesson moments, these stern life lesson moments. And, and I think in that moment, I realized that <clears throat> when we were, when we were having that call with the, with the minister that I had had a different childhood than my sisters and I didn't even realize it. So uh, to your point, like I remember growing up as a kid, my dad would play hockey or baseball with me. He'd be my coach. And it's like, I got older with the high school, college, like stuff. My sisters, my two younger sisters only knew my dad as the spectator father. Whereas they, he wasn't out there. My mom became that person for them in terms of coach playing with them physically on the field, coaching and stuff like that. And it was always, I never, I only knew my dad through coaching on the sidelines with me in the same uniform, like whatever coaching. And I, I never got to experiencing my dad watching my sisters play on the sideline with him. Like it was like legendary, like the side comments, the crack of the jokes, the threatening, the refs, <laughs> it's stuff like that where it's like, but my sisters only got to experience my dad as the, the spectator, not like the, right. So it's a kind of weird, like how growing up the age gap, man, girl versus boy type situation where they almost wonder what the perception would be if they like the idea of describing your parents each sibling is such an interesting case study because you have those different experiences where my younger sister spent more time at home with probably me once my dad got hurt and retired early and all that stuff. So it's like, it's just such a unique, crazy. And I remember the first time meeting your dad backstage and I was just like, like super nervous, but like, like there's nothing he's going to say to me that's going to offend me, but like having right. you talk about him, of all you guys talk about your parents and stuff, where the first time you meet somebody, you're like, oh god, like this, there's like an aura about him. There was like this kind of like, this guy sees some shit, and he's going to tell you if you're messing up, which I, I admire. Oh, yeah, because you could always look every time you like for people that know would shine down as a hometown show, which for four members there's like twelve cities in America. <laughs> that's a hometown yeah. show, right? And so. There'd be 30, 40 family members backstage. But there's always that one family member, Brent's father, I can always look at and he could see a look on my face and he just nod to me and be like, you're going to get through this, but I know why you're mad. <laughs> but someone like your dad, when you look at him and he just look, shake his head, and just be like, all right, we got to get out of here. It's time to go. Like, we're, oh, dude, yeah. he not impressed by anything, dude, like <laughs> not impressed. Uh, you know, it, it, he would, uh, my dad at a show backstage at a show was looking for two things. My dad was looking for catering and the exit. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Like, uh, I, I remember the last show he ever got to see, he wasn't sick yet. Uh, last show he ever came to, uh, <laughs> he was like, I don't want to go out the mixing board. Just, uh, just put a chair next to your wherever you're standing on stage i just want a chair down there somewhere that'll be fine and dude i remember like looking down there at him and just like is he having a good time i remember like, like does he does he want to be here like i don't know if he does or not uh, and that's the other thing too man is like at some point i looked down there and he was gone <laughs> he was missing <laughs> uh like my dad was very uh curt but not in a mean way, just very short. Everything yeah. was, was, uh, he, he wanted things done the way he wanted them done. And that was it. And, uh, was, didn't have a lot of words. 
at all. Like it, it's interesting, man. Like I, I actually got, I had an interesting experience with my father where at some point when I was trying to come up in music, he had retired from some of the businesses he had started. He he retired. He he was done, and he was bored to death. Man, he and I are very similar in that way. Where I have to be active. I can't be idle. I don't. I don't do. I hate vacations. I can't stand them. I hate weekends because nothing can get done on the weekends. <laughs> like I want to be moving yeah. and active. And uh, he had retired, and I was trimming houses. I was a carpenter. And I just remember, and he had built some furniture when I was a kid. So I knew he knew he loved woodworking. And I was like, hey, why don't you come work with, with me, you know, at the company? And for the next 20 years, he worked for that company. He worked for that company up until he he had his first seizure and, and couldn't work anymore. That's wild. Uh, so he was 84 years old still doing that. And every day, I mean, like up at 4.30, in bed at 8, you know, this, this kind of thing. Uh, but... I had this, this two year overlap where he and I worked together just about every day and we worked on the same job site every day. So we had to, we got to have lunch together and work together and, and he and I had some, some, I mean, it's interesting that I don't remember a lot of our conversations we had at lunchtime or anything, but a couple of them stick out. And one of those was, uh, when he, he told me one day, he's like, what are you doing in Charleston? Like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, I, if you really want to do this thing, this music thing, you need to go somewhere else. You need, and at the time, Atlanta was was hot. Like that's when Seven Dust and Stuck Mojo and Double Drive and a bunch of those Double Drive, yeah, uh, 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 Collective Soul, you know, all this stuff was happening out of Atlanta. And he's like, he's like, you know, because at the time it was like. Nashville wasn't even a consideration because it was still super country. It was like either Los Angeles or Atlanta for for whatever reason. That's where my brain went. And he's like, you need to move and you need to go do this thing or don't do it. And uh, you know, even though I never did that, <laughs> it was the first time my dad had shown some sort of interest in what I was doing, you know? Um, uh I, I, I take that back. He always showed interest in what I was doing. He, it was the first time that I didn't think he, that I could, that I felt like he didn't think I was an idiot for wanting to do it. Cause he was, right. it's the first time he, he pushed me to do something else. Like, okay, I get it. You yeah. know, this isn't just a pipe dream. This isn't just something stupid. Like you're really spending your time doing this. I mean, I was touring every weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then coming right in for work. Or some days I would, if there was a show on a Wednesday night in North Carolina or in Florida, I would leave work at four o'clock or three o'clock or whatever it was, drive to wherever we were playing Gosh. and then drive right back on no sleep and go right back to work. And he was, he was watching me do these things. So, uh, that was, and I, <laughs> and then I remember another conversation. He, he, my dad thought he had figured it out, right? He, uh, he goes, Hey, and this is so my father, because my again, no artistic ability, no, you know, all all business, right? All military, all business. He goes, "Hey, I I figured it out," and I'm like, "What have you figured out?" And he said, "I figured out what you need to do for your career." I mean, he was very genuine about this; like he had it figured out. And I was like, "Well, okay, what what's that?" He goes, 
you need to write a timeless song like you know something timeless like desperado by the eagles or white christmas or something and i'm like <laughs> do you think i'm not trying to do that like <laughs> yeah like he, like like i like he like i think he thought that i was just not making an effort to write a timeless like that's just something you just go do you just go write a timeless song and and yeah. uh and and that's that you know uh it's just those little moments like that I remember of conversation with him. But uh, I, for some reason, man, I really wish that I could go into some kind of regression and like try to remember some of the. And I don't know why I don't remember a lot of it, man. I just uh, I don't know if I just glazed over it or or if we didn't really talk that much. I don't remember if we talked very much or not. I mean, I know when I was a kid, we didn't. Do those um, memories? I know we kind of talked about that, but like it's actually one of the things I want to talk about this week. The I've, I've been trying to go back and remember like when my sisters and I were just all together this weekend and we're just kind of like, Hey, do you remember this or what happened here? And then we're, we're trying to piece together these ideas and these old stories when we're like kids and we vaguely get it. But then my sister was like, do you think there's a part of your brain that actually has all this information, but we're just not able to physically harness the power mm -hmm. or the wherewithal to figure out how to use our own brain? Because where are these once you do something, memories don't disappear, right? I don't. Well, I it, don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they disappear or not. Uh, I think you retain a a version that means something to you. So it's it's your experience is colored by who you are, and your memory is colored by who you are. It's why the it's why eyewitness testimony is so so unreliable, right? You know, you remember something as it was. In fact, it's interesting. Uh, this morning on my run, uh, I, it's, it's funny you're talking about this because uh, I was on my run and I run down to the end of this dirt road. So there's, there's coyotes and deer and turkeys and snakes. and snakes and bobcats and rabbits and squirrels and, you know, you name it, alligators, whatever. It's all down there. Uh and I saw this animal jump and move through the through the brush. And I said, oh, there's a rabbit. But I thought it was a rabbit until it jumped up onto the side of a tree. And then it was a squirrel. I was like, oh, that's a squirrel. And that dawned on me in that moment, for some reason, I was thinking about this, that if I hadn't seen that animal jump up on the tree, I would have thought I'd seen a rabbit. When in reality, I saw a squirrel. Uh, Oh, yeah. I don't know why I don't know why I had that thought, but it plays into what we're talking about, right? That 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 you know, I would have been sitting here right now thinking that I saw a rabbit instead of a squirrel. So, our memories are are sort of tinted by, uh, by who we are, by what what our experience is, maybe by what our past experiences are, and what we think we're experiencing in the moment because of what we've experienced in the past. It, it to your point, my sisters. And I have talked a lot recently in the past year. In fact, my dad passed away a year ago yesterday. It's interesting that we're talking about this. Oh, uh, yesterday, yesterday was the was was. It's been a year since he passed away. Um, but my sisters and I have been talking an awful lot about just what you're talking about. Um, you know, are there things from my childhood I don't remember? I remember differently or whatever, and they'll bring things up like don't you remember i'll say something about uh 
well, I'll, I don't want to go into that, but let's just say I, I'll, I'll say, you know, I remember X, Y, and Z, and they'll go, no, 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 don't you remember? Yes, the neighbor, know, the teacher did this. Don't, don't you remember like us all playing yeah. behind the couch and doing blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, well, now that you mention it, yeah, but I hadn't thought about that in forever, you know? Yeah. I, and, and and it's just, it. now, is what I'm remembering when they say that the actual event or am i placing myself in a place where i remember what the behind the couch looked like and i remember yeah playing back there but i'm not remembering the actual event right um you can sort of construct a memory too i think um but like, i've always wondered I, like when it comes to like alzheimer's and dementia and other diseases where your memory and your brain goes is it basically your body or brain i guess basically overflow with memories and whatever knowledge and every stuff you've accrued through your life that now it's just fritzing and spazzing out. Well, it's an interesting mix of of remembering and not remembering. I mean, my grandmother had dementia. My dad didn't have dementia, but he had, you know, he had had some seizures. So, so there's some wiring that was not right. right, and he was he was misremembering things or talking about things that that happened years ago as if they happened yesterday and things like that. Um, one thing I've always found. Well, how about this? Before I go there. Um, uh, I'm writing something down because I realized I actually watched the last, well, one of the last episodes of the podcast and realized that I'll start making a point and then I never, sometimes I don't get back around to what that point was supposed to be and we go off on another tangent. So I've decided to write down when I start to make a point and I'm going to go off somewhere so I can get back around to where I meant, mean to get back around to so I don't sound like an imbecile. Um, I, I'm assuming this has been proven because I've read it several places. And if I think about it, if I try to recall things, it is like this, that when we are remembering something or when our brain takes stock of something going on, we see it in snapshots, not in motion. So, uh, and I've read this in a few places that they've, that they've figured this out about the brain. So, it's very difficult to imagine you can, but it's very difficult to imagine something happening in motion. And if I start to really think about it the way that I remember things, it is sort of in these pictures rather than in movement. Yeah. So that's one part of it. You know, maybe our brain is recording snapshots and not recording, uh, uh, motion and fluidity it's 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 almost like a you know instead of getting 24 frames per second like you get on a film you're getting two frames per second right or something that yeah. you can and then out of those two frames per second that you as we're as i'm watching you right now maybe i'm getting two frames per second of your face uh but then when i try to remember it i'm only going to be able to access one or two of those frames that happen and i've got to try to I've got to try to parse that into some sort of real memory. Um, that could be part of it. Another thing that is interesting about memory, and we're talking about Alzheimer's and dementia. Uh, so I read a book once uh, called The Talent Code. And I forget the gentleman that wrote, wrote it. It's called The Talent Code. And he was looking for what makes great talent is it 
Is it nature? Is it nurture? Is it uh, Daniel Coyle? I'm sorry, Daniel Coyle. Okay, Daniel Coyle. Uh, you know, so what? What makes all of the great women tennis players come from this one camp in this one tennis school in Russia? What makes most of the great baseball players come from the Dominican Republic? Why are most of the great, you know, some of the greatest soccer players, soccer talent found in this one area in Brazil? Um, and so he went to study this thing and try to figure it out. And um, <clears throat> I won't go too into too much detail, but one of the things he found out when it came to the scientific side of it and the brain side of talent is, and this is this is something that is, I believe it's fairly new, new being in the last 20 years, um, that they've discovered that the, the neural pathways in the brain, the things that can be attributed to muscle memory, not the kind of not not memories of events and not memories of people, but muscle memory things, things that are repetitive, riding a bicycle, <clears throat> a baseball player throwing a baseball, a soccer player kicking a soccer ball, a musician playing an instrument, a dancer dancing. If if you do these repetitive motions that you do over and over and over again. Uh, that they get attributed to muscle memory, they found that those neural pathways for those actions that are repetitive and repeated again and again, brushing your teeth, walking, you yeah. know, these types of things, yeah. uh, get wrapped in this fibrous material called myelin, M-Y-L-I-N, I think, or M-I-L-Y-N, myelin. I don't remember exactly how it's spelled. Um, <clears throat> and it's like a cast, and it and it wraps itself around those pathways for those repetitive motions. So you have a baseball pitcher, and he's, you know, he's pitching. However many pitches a game, I don't know what's considered a lot, but just say, yeah, 90, uh, 90 or so, hundred, yeah, hundred pitches yeah. or ninety pitches a game, and that's not. And then he's got practice, and he's got all. How many years has he been doing that? His body knows how to make minute changes to throw a, a, a curveball or to throw a knuckleball or to throw a fastball that he can decide in mid yeah in mid windup right, right? Yeah. <clears throat> because he's done these things so many times and his brain can access them like this and it's muscle memory it's over and over and over again so this myelin is like a cast it just wraps itself around these pathways and protects those pathways for those things what i find interesting knowing that is someone with dementia their their photo memories right the memories of their family or their memories of where they are in their life or what the year is or where they are in their life right my grandmother would tell me that she was what i would go over to visit her and i would say what, what, what have you done today and she would say oh I, you know i was just taking care of the books for mom and mom and dad's business and well, she used to keep the books for her parents' business back in the day, but she, you know, she was 95 yeah. years old at this point. So she hadn't done that since she was a little girl, but she was convinced that that's what she had been doing. And I would just go right along with it and ask her how the business was going. And, well, you know, daddy, he, he got back from the sawmill last night and one of the horses was this and that. And so she's living in, uh, in 1920, whatever, you know, or, 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 you know. 1918 or whatever whatever that was for her um it wasn't that early but it was something in the 20s for sure uh and but she could sit down at the piano and play every piano piece she'd ever known wild 
And I think that's that myelin, right? That the, the muscle memory stuff. She, you know, if she had been fit enough, she probably could have gotten on a bicycle and ridden it. Uh, it, it there's a video uh, on, I saw it on Instagram. It's out there somewhere of this woman with dementia in a, in a, in a home. And she was a very well-known ballerina. And they start playing the music that she used to dance, I think it was Swan Lake or something. And she just, her hands come up and she just starts doing the motions. She knows the motions to this thing that she had done hundreds, maybe thousands of times. Uh, and they, what was interesting is they placed a, vi a video of her when she was younger next to her now where she was dancing next to her now in the chair and the hand motions were exactly the same in those parts. Like she, she remembered every bit of it. And I'm sure if she was able to stand up, she could have done the whole thing. Yeah. That's, that's myelin. That's, that's that, that neural pathway for that thing that you did over and over and over again is, is, uh, it's hardwired I mean, circuit. That yeah. Literally hardwired. Right. Yeah. Um, and 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 you find these things again. Tony Bennett, recently. Oh, that Lady Gaga thing, yeah. Died, died of dementia. He couldn't remember anything, but he could sing every lyric and every note of the songs he had sung thousands of times or hundreds of yeah. times because he'd done it so much. Um, so I I find it interesting that that there are these two different sort of. I'm sure there's more than two. These two different sets of of ways two different types of memories and and you know i you would think that that having the love for your family or the love for your children or something like that being that strong would cause myelin to wrap around those neural pathways too right but but maybe it doesn't and i i mean again like we say you and i are imbeciles right we i what i'm yeah. saying what right. I'm what I'm saying what I what I'm attributing to myelin might not be attributable to it, but I find it interesting that dementia patients, Alzheimer's patients, seem to be able to snap out of their dementia and their and their their stupor when it's something that they're familiar with that they've done again physically. and again, yeah. physically done, right? Um, you know, their job or whatever, you know, versus uh. And it would be interesting to get someone maybe who was a carpenter, right? You, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about athletes and stuff. But what about someone who's a carpenter who maybe, uh, uh, you know, did the cutting the, trim work and all this intricate stuff? Yeah, angles made and... the whole, the whole, you know, maybe someone who who built roofs, right? And this this guy had done a a thousand and one hip roofs, and he the math that you have to do for a hip roof is is pretty. Uh, it, it's it's more complicated than than other types of roofs because of of the the side rafters that go around. The, so a hip roof is God, I see I'm, I'm on a tangent now. Uh, a hip roof is a roof where it's not just it's not just a triangle shaped roof that's flat on either end. It's got an angle on this end and then here. Yeah. So it kind of it, it don't, like like a Pizza Hut almost sort of looking yeah. thing. Uh, and so the, the 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 rafters on the side angles have to be a little bit longer and at a little bit different angle on those corners than the rafters that are running, you know, uh, 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 or the not the rafters the the trusses. Um, anyway, it would be interesting to take someone who had done a thousand and one of those in their lives and see if they can remember how to use the framing square, 
because they've done it so much. I I I would almost bet. Oh yeah, that, for sure. That you could take them and go, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna build this roof right now. You all right? You having a stroke? Yeah, you no. But I'm just like someone looks around really. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, just... <laughs> I thought you were having. A, you're like, oh, yeah. Like, you all right? Yeah. Spiders. Um, yeah, but I mean, but think about this too, though. Like, potentially, what kind of therapy could that be for someone with dementia to pull them into something that they know? Right. And, 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 and also not that they know, but that the person in the room knows that they know. So they're not, they're not living in la la land for that time period. They're actually, I wonder if they could do something, if, if they could be, if, if they could be, uh, um, if that would give them some sense of purpose, not that they know the difference, I guess maybe purpose is the wrong word. Uh, they could be useful. Right, productive in their productive. That's a better maybe word. a productive way version of their happiness that they have left. Mm. Yeah. So uh, again, uh, I don't know if any of this is possible. I don't know if any of this has been. I'm sure that someone is studying this stuff. Is thought about. But you look at you look at a good carpenter that's hammered a nail a million, two million times. Yep. And he remembers that skill. But how often does that person say "I love you" to someone he loves, but actually loves, but doesn't say it? It's right. like you talk about like this bylaw and stuff. Well, it's like our at we do a lot of our actions a lot of the times, but how often do we sell tell someone, man, I love you because and then when you get older and stuff, you see these people, it's like obviously these people love you, like they they've yeah. always loved you, but they may not say it. But the physical act of doing what they do, it's it's such a weird the brain is so fascinating. Well, I I here's another thing too, man. I think that that the worst thing you can do for someone who is who's older is and and we do it unintentionally to them because we're caught up in and i mean i i've i've been somewhat guilty of this as well you know we, we're so caught up in our in our important lives right and i'm you know i'm touring around the world and i'm making records and whatever and and uh uh you know maybe one of our loved ones needs a purpose but we take their purpose away from them you know uh, or we take a purpose away from them and don't give them anything to put in its place. Uh, the, the, the rates of dementia and, and again, I encourage everyone to look this up for themselves. Yeah. We're just talking um, people, yeah. but the, but the, the rates of dementia for people who retire and just don't do anything after they retire is way higher than people who stay active and keep moving and keep using their brain or keep having a purpose. Um, the rates for dementia and people who are entrepreneurs and who run their own businesses and stuff are, are way lower than people who are, you know, are, are working for the weekend and, uh, you know, are, are looking toward retirement as fast as they can. Yeah. Uh, they're working to live or they're living right. to work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, and so there's a, there's, when I think that, uh, interesting man that, that, uh, um, my dad's brother, and by the way, this is not a a, a, sl a slight at anybody in my family. It's just I, I found this interesting. So my dad had a he ended up with brain cancer. So um, he was uh, uh, glioblastoma is what he had, and uh, but like I said, eighty four years old, pounding nails every day, driving himself to work, working forty hours a week, loved doing it. You know, he talked about how tired he was and all this stuff, but he was just, that was just, you know, him being him, being yeah. him, you know, he, he loved, he loved going and doing it. He loved hanging out with the guys on the job site and, 
and uh um his brother who's a year and a half older than he is uh they both went through the mil same thing they both went to severn military academy they both went to annapolis my uncle uh ended up going into the air force and becoming a pilot my dad went into the navy yep um and but they're very close in age and very i wouldn't say similar in personalities my uncle was very much a pilot and still he's 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 still alive he's very much a pilot very uh it was always the cool uncle, man. We always looked forward to Uncle Stan coming to town because it was going to be fun, you know, and he was, he had that pilot's confidence. Yeah, my dad was a, a bit more stoic, a good bit more stoic, but their, but, but their physiology is very much the same. And my uncle Stan, uh, uh, retired at retirement age, you know, he, 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 I think he left the left the Air Force, and I think he worked for General Dynamic or something like that, and then retired early and played golf. Played a shit ton of golf. Love golf. Uh, very good golfer too. Um, but my dad just wanted to stay working. He never wanted to retire. And it was kind of, that was kind of the difference in their personality. I think my dad needed the work. He needed to to he needed a purpose. Uh, and at some point, my my uncle's you know, mental faculty started to slip a little bit, you know, maybe some, some on dementia onset, that type of thing. Uh, and my dad didn't have that. And I wondered if, if this is just me speculating, I often wondered if that was because, you know, my uncle just, he was enjoying a great life, you know, but yeah, but he wasn't, is he applying his, his intelligence to anything? Uh, and, you know, it's important to him versus where my dad is every day doing math, doing, you know, figuring things out. Yeah. Um, Problem solving. And yeah. And that that was honestly was the most cruel thing about the glioblastoma was the fact that my dad physically was the thing that he had just had a physical pretty recently. And the doctor said that he had, you know, his body was in the shape of a 65 year old. And, uh, you know, he was, uh, you know, he was very fit, very strong. Uh, mentally strong, everything, you know, and then you get this cruel thing that happens in your brain and you lose the use of some parts of your body and stuff, man. It's just, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a shitty thing to watch, but, uh, anyway, he never really had any dementia though. There was never any sort of, of mental deterioration until he had a seizure yep. caused by the cancer. So, um, and even then, like the, the, there wasn't, um, there wasn't this heavy mental deterioration until he had maybe, uh, I guess his second major seizure was the one that that happened close to the end. This was really the mental, where the where the, where the mental stuff started to kind of go downhill a little bit. But it is, man. It's uh, it's uh, it the memory is. And here's the interesting thing, man. To be as unreliable as it is, meaning like it's, I don't think it's admissible, right? In in a court of law, just just eyewitness testimony. I mean, it's important, but it's but it's not. It's it's admissible, but it's not. What do they say? Is, is there something with they it? Can, they can they can poke a lot of holes into it. Yeah, because things are because people it's, remember things so differently. Yeah, weather, time of day, location, yeah, color yeah. color of someone's jacket or car yes. or whatever. Uh, Dude, how about this? It happened to me recently where I was thinking about this. That There's dress? What's that? Remember that dress meme? What color is the dress? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, that's just, I think that's just how people saw it. Like, I, I was actually able at some point to see it both ways. But look at, imagine that I witnessed, if I walked down the street and I saw that, I'd be like, oh, it's white and gold. You can't tell me otherwise. Right. It's blue and black and white and gold, white and right. gold, right? But Those two different two people could look at that as an eyewitness and be like, no, you're both wrong. Who's right? Yeah. No, that's you're right. It's 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 uh something objective became subjective in that moment. <laughs> so our memories are subjective. It goes back to what I said. It's 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 for lack of a better term, no pun intended, it's colored by your experience. Right. And recently I was uh there's a picture of us that we've been using, the band's been using. And in my brain, I again, this is weird that we're talking about this because I think I think about weird shit like this sometimes. In my brain, I remember the order. I like I was next to Brent down here on this end of the picture or something. And then when I saw the picture, I was in a totally different spot. I was like, "You're talking about the, the greed, the with the greed like crystals coming out, like the triangles." No, this is the picture we did uh, in that sewage plant in in, oh, okay. uh, in the UK. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Literally, we were in a sewage plant in the UK. Uh, uh, shut down a, a, a retired sewage plant. Oh, we're doing. We're, uh, Dead don't die video. Dead don't die. Yeah, that's where that video was done in a sewage plant. Yep. Uh, but and it was two Cold. degrees. It, oh. it was, we were eating day, French was, fries by like a heater, like warming up yeah. McDonald's French fries yeah. by a heater. I mean, it was cold in there. Like I, we could see our breath the whole day inside. Uh, but uh, anyway, that picture, one of the pictures we took up there that we've been using quite a bit. Uh, I have the I have the get off my lawn face. I don't know. Maybe that that's my face all the time. Uh, but I just remembered that picture differently, and then I saw it. and I was like, wait, I thought I was. There you go. You know, it's it's. Oh, uh, yeah. I I and and by the way, I would have bet money on it. I would have bet money that that. You know, you're the that jiffy. I was right. Yeah, you're the jiffy and shine down. Right. Yeah. yeah. So so there you go. Back to Mandela effect that we were talking about a yeah. few weeks ago. Uh, you know the the maybe the Mandela effect is just bad memory. I mean that's all it is. You know, and if and again, just like my sister is saying, don't you remember being behind the couch? And it all it takes is one or two people to go, hey, don't you remember Jiffy? I mean, I remember Jiffy, don't you? And it's like, oh yeah, yeah I remember Jiffy. You know, so maybe that's all the Mandela effect is. I totally remember Jiffy, but I could be, I probably am, yeah. like super wrong about it. So it's just interesting that that all of who we are is is memories like i mean our entire identity is where we've come from and if as a child if we had lived a different life we'd have a different identity yet all of those things that make us ourselves are completely unreliable <laughs> <laughs> well you look at the news they say one thing happened and then for the longest time i mean i think more people waking up now to like hey question everything uh but you just take the word for it it's like, oh, I heard on the news. Yeah. I heard, my friend was talking about it. I trust my friend, so I, that news is correct. We're now. That's think, why. That, yeah, that's why I'm so careful with this stuff to be like, yeah. don't take, don't. Right. You know, we're just talking uh, because I could, you know, the source of my a lot of my information could be wrong. Yeah. You know? uh, probably is. Probably is. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's uh, or just. Again, like some of the things like I've found myself on even on this podcast trying to remember. And I'm like, well, don't, you know, I think it was this and this and this and this. And I, you know, I'm trying to access these things that are way back in my brain somewhere that I know I've heard before and trying to remember what the details are. And uh, 
how virtually impossible that is. And so hypothetically, if let's just say that I saw some event happen um, years ago and now there's a murder investigation and I have to try to remember those events, oh. right? Am I going to be able to accurately access that stuff? Um, I don't, I probably a little what, bit, but not, not enough to, yeah. to be reliable. One of our uh, followers watched the, I think two episodes ago, they wrote into one of our Instagram boxes, boxes, whatever. It was basically say, hey, what are you guys' thoughts on Deja Vu? It kind of went along with like the, more of the mind stuff, brain stuff we've been talking about. But it brings like the fact that with the terms of memories, I know you, you've brought up the Matrix a bunch in these episodes, but the, the in the Matrix, when you see the black cat again, the, the guy goes, oh, Neo goes, oh, Deja Vu. It's like so. When you have deja vu, is it a memory or a something you've already experienced, that, or is it a trigger? Like deja vu for me is the craziest concept. I don't even. I can't even wrap my head around it. I I've I think about that occasionally. I don't dwell on it, but a couple of the thoughts that I've had that I like to think about is I go back to that thing about we were. I think at some point we talked about this about how. Uh, uh, in I don't know if it's string theory or quantum theory or what it is uh, but that that time isn't it, may, it maybe has nothing to do with either one of those things but that, that some people have put forth that time isn't linear time doesn't take place in a line yeah. time takes place all at once so this chair that I'm sitting in yesterday didn't have anybody occupying it right this space I don't even think I came in the studio yesterday but that yesterday is taking place right now at the same time this is taking place. So sometimes I think that deja vu could be, if if that's the case, um, the fact that there are these layers to, you know, to time, but it's all it's all stacked in the room at one time. It's all stacked in the space at one time. Um that perhaps when we experience deja vu, it is that we've passed through a place that we've either been in before or will be in again, maybe. Yeah. Um, and, uh, or maybe we occupy the same space as someone else in that space at that time. And it lines up just perfectly. And we're getting their sense of the, of the space that they had yeah. at one point. Uh, and I know that sounds super woo woo, but if you, if you get into interdimensional stuff or, or like I said, nonlinear time, that stuff's plausible, right? Now, do you, when you uh, mentioned, I think, your grandmother about, like, the memories, like, oh, the sawmill and all this stuff, mm -hmm. could you look at that as the same type of linear type of time? Like, what if that version of her is... What, 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 if, she's, what if she's literally seeing it? That's what I'm saying. What know? if she's living it right now? And it's like this version of her, like, when death happens... For an individual, like how the linear time of that stops that person's death, correct? Or is this another version of their life that's actively still kind of existing on that same type of timeline? Well, are you saying like metaphysically? Yeah, does, like yeah, yeah like, like, like so. People say this has been disproven. I'm not so sure that. I don't know. I don't know what to believe anymore. What? Because because I think again I think everything's colored by what someone wants to be true, 
uh, at one point an experiment was done about the the weight of a soul right how much does how much does a, a soul weigh and this, this guy would weigh people before and after they passed away and he said that that 21 grams i think was the was what he said that people would lighten by 21 grams when they passed away so his and name was dr mcdougall and one of the six subjects lost three quarters of an ounce 21.3 grams yeah and but there were some other tests done where that happened. It was repeatable to some extent, but then other people say that it's been completely debunked and de disproven. But again, I, you know, I know we've talked about NDEs on here, near death experiences, and these people talk about how when they passed away, they became infinite and they they occupied all points of the universe somehow. Right. And and they they were infinite. And then when they came back to life, they got squeezed into this uncomfortable body, this meat suit, right? And they just that 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 feeling of being squeezed back into this thing that was uncomfortable. Yeah. And I super identify with that, right? Like that that feels like, yeah, that's that's how I feel. <laughs> I feel uncomfortable. I feel like I'm 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 supposed to be somewhere else. Uh, <clears throat> I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just how I I mean like yeah, so have I we, have we have we have we touched on that stuff at all? I guess we have. No, we have. We, you and I have, have talked it. off the record a lot about it. Yeah, um, and we can talk about that maybe some other time. But yeah, to your to your point, like I feel like if if that is the case, that yeah, the timeline uh, again. If we're not thinking about timelines, but we, I guess that's kind of the only way we can wrap our heads around it. In the because it's hard for me to wrap my head around a everything happening. In everything all at once in one spot, you know, wherever you are, a thousand from years from now is happening, a thousand years ago is happening, a yeah. million years ago and a million years in the future is happening. And I think when we talked before, it kind of played into that random number generator with 9-11 and we were talking about that, how like these, we can feel those other things perhaps, right? Yep. And so my grandmother passing away her life ended her physical life ended but you know that spirit that left her body that 21 grams if you will maybe some of that's left over maybe that's some of that's left over with all of us in these spaces and and uh maybe every maybe every every moment that passes by we're leaving a little bit of of something behind we're leaving a little bit of ourselves in the in the ether and Maybe that's what deja vu is. Maybe it's, you know, I feel like I've been here before. Well, maybe you haven't been there yet. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe you, maybe you're feeling something that 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 you know that you haven't been there before. You still have yet to be there, or you're experiencing some of you that's in the room that you didn't that you're leaving in the future. It's still there, right? I don't know. I I don't know what it is. That man. idea of like, I think the phrase was, "Are you worth your weight in gold?" Like, what if the gold is actually like your soul, like the value, like that's why it's like, again, not to go off some deep, like crazy good versus evil, like spiritual type thing. But if there, if there is a weight to a soul, and this study was done in 19, early 1900s, I think. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, if there's, if there, if there's a battle for your soul, even today, people talk about symbolism and all this stuff. Maybe they're onto something where it's like, if you're, if you collect enough souls, whether one side of the spectrum you're on, there's power and value to that. And it seems like there's always yeah. that battle of good versus evil. I, I, I'm sure if people can find this meme and I'm going to paraphrase it, it's probably badly, but it, what is to your point, 
it it sticks out in my my mind pretty vividly and it says uh if your soul isn't worth anything then why are good and evil constantly fighting for it yeah you know uh i mean man i i believe in that stuff i i believe that there is if you're going to believe in an absolute good you, then you have to believe in absolute evil and i was watching a video this morning with a gentleman named john lennox he's a mathematician at uh oxford i believe um but he's a uh, he kind of finds himself in an interesting place because he is a christian college professor in the sciences right he's a mathematician oh yeah and his his colleagues, he he gets into some wild conversations with them. They kind of, I don't know if they drag him or not, but but they you know they're constantly asking, how can you believe this yeah. gibberish and all this stuff? And uh, he made a really good point that that so he he has a, there's a very famous, I don't know if it's famous, a very good debate between he and Richard Dawkins. And Richard Dawkins, for the people who don't know, is a is a, a highly intellectual individual, very smart atheist, and he is just always banging the drum for there is nothing else other than just whatever is and that there is no purpose behind anything. There's And Richard Dawkins will say, there's no good and evil. There's no good and evil. It's just whatever the DNA, whatever's in your DNA is what you do. And whatever happens, happens. And there's no reason for it. And again, he, he always says there's no good and evil. And John Lennox says... At the same time that he'll say that, he'll one of Dawkins' arguments is how does God let all this evil happen in the world? When Dawkins is like, well, you just or, or Lennox says, you just said there's no evil, there is no good and evil. So why are you accusing God of being evil? Uh, yeah, there there has to be man, there has to be these forces, right? Whether you're atheist or not, uh, there is we we have the ability to decipher what's right and wrong now sometimes what we think is right and wrong it differs for people um i but i i do think that there is a I think about this as i'm saying it but there's a general agreed upon sense of right and wrong in the world good and evil even if those lines get blurred because sometimes i i feel like look people who 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 uh jihadists right they they have a different sense of right and wrong. They, they think that what they're doing is right or righteous. I don't know if they think what they're doing is good, but they think it's righteous. Maybe I'm maybe maybe I'm conflating righteousness and good with that. But um, I just think that we inherently know as human beings the difference between right and wrong, or something that is right and good and and wrong and unjust. Um, and I just, you know, I think that those things are, are that if you believe that there is good in the world, then you have to believe there's evil trying to undo that. And I've been thinking an awful lot about spirituality, man, an awful lot about, about, you know, what is the spirit realm or what is, what is heaven? What is, um, what is hell? And uh, I don't have any answers, <laughs> you know, but I've been thinking an awful lot about it. We listened to those, I sent to those podcasts with the Bledsoe yeah. family. And, you know, they, 
Maybe we can get into that at some point. Maybe we should do an episode on the Bledsoe family. Yes. Maybe we can get Ryan Bledsoe on. That would be fun. Yeah. Uh, his son, Chris Bledsoe's son. Uh, the Bledsoe family, just uh, real quickly, is is uh, Chris Bledsoe had an experience with orbs and what some people might say are extraterrestrial entities or something, yeah. but he doesn't think they're extraterrestrial. He thinks they're spiritual in nature. And these orbs that appeared and these beings, and they have the, the trinity. They have a triangle on there chest it's 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 interesting man it's, it sounds like you know we were so programmed to think about things like that is not possible in science fiction but when you hear him talk about it he's like he has he he can he's taken people out and shown these these orbs right uh but he and his family are, and even nasa even the people that, from nasa that that came into their lives to study what was going on i mean that's how it's documented i mean this is this really took place like our government cia fbi nasa nsa they all showed up at this guy's place and he welcomed them in and they lived at his house they're they they were experiencing these things as well uh he said that that even nasa believes that it's spiritual that's not the reason why i've been on this this hunt but it's just or, or thinking so much about spirituality and good and evil but that thought that 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 thought that that these that the, maybe there is something else and beyond you know and and these beings know and again i don't think they're beings like i don't think say beings people think close encounters you know it's not yeah i don't think it i don't great I don't think it's like yeah well but again i go back to to, to listening to people recounting near-death experiences and every I, I would say i say every single one i would a large majority of people i've who i've listened to and i've probably listened to hundreds of them at this point uh, or read about hundreds of them at this point as well, talk about just infinite spirits and infinite personalities and and people, for lack of a better term, like around them. Yeah, that 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 uh, this the Earth is such a small microcosm of what's there, and uh, I don't know. How did I get off on this? I said I was going to write stuff down so I wouldn't forget it, but I just, I just, I don't, yeah. I just left Earth for a second. Uh, well, you were, well, you were talking about good and evil, I guess. Yeah, that's how we got there. Well, we were talking about the way of the the weight of the human soul. Yeah, yeah. What's what's yeah. your soul? How valuable is your soul? Right. Well, evidently, people... it's evidently it's pretty valuable because there there are two forces that are that are vying for it. Yeah. Yeah. There's one, and and the and the the interesting thing, man, is is that the evil force, the darkness, is always easier than the good force the the things that are that are good and righteous and the light for lack of a better term or godly or 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 uh positively spiritual or whatever are always going to be more difficult they're going to require more of you to bring accountability about and everything account yeah. discipline accountability oh. structure study whatever it is uh uh evil is easy evil is 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 you know it's 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 you know how how long does it take to to make something beautiful and how quickly can it just be torn down yeah yeah so evil is easy evil is everywhere like i see it the older i get i know i'm, I'm being an old man here but the older i get the more i it's more the more obvious it is to me the more it's it's, it's just it's just right in my face and apparent um and it's here's the thing man it's still it still calls to me too 
you know, it's still, it's still, it's still trying to get me to do things I shouldn't do every day. Uh, and it's just the decisions you make and the more difficult decision is always probably going to be the right one. You know, it's going to be the, it's yeah. gonna be the good decision, but I don't know. I wish I, I wish I kind of wish I knew, but that's oh. not part of, that's not part of the journey because, uh, if you know already, uh, then you don't have any faith, right? And faith is faith is super important to to growth, and you can't have faith if it's you. You know, you have to have you can only have faith in things you can't see. You can't have faith in things you've seen or know, right? Uh, so uh, that's important for sure, and. Uh, I, you can't have hope if you've seen something either. So if you've, uh, if, if, uh, the only way to be hopeful, you have to be hopeful in things that you want to happen or that you wish would happen or that you are working to make happen. It's the only way you can be hopeful. You can't be hopeful if, if it's, if you know about it, if you know it's going to happen, then there's no hope. There's no reason yeah. to have hope because it's a, it's a foregone conclusion at that point. So the fact that even in the darkest times, we still have hope. We have that hope because there's, you know, as Jim Carrey said, you, there's, you're telling me there's a chance. Still a chance. <laughs> still, still a chance. <laughs> so, and I love those things. Those things are beautiful. I think those things are of God, right? They're, they're you know, whatever your religion is, you know, those, yeah. those things are faith and, and hope and those things, uh, faith, hope, and love, right? You know, the, the three most important, what did I say? Uh, Faith, hope, and love, and the most important is love, right? Um, and you can't see any of those things. You know, you can experience them, but you can't see them. Um, anyway, woo-woo Eric is done. Yeah, that was impressive. <laughs> the, was uh, <laughs> I Before we wrap this up, a question I have for you. Um, I, I think I was trying to turn someone else in another band. And uh, they came up where it's like they're they, so I, I don't want ba- the person's going to launch. They got their own little podcast thing coming and like this cool thing they're doing. And they were like, it just they asked me. They're like, I find it difficult. And this is them saying to me to be this version of myself while I'm also represented in a band in a business. He goes, I. So basically, my question for you is: Is it tough to be Eric Bass, the version that you're most happy? under the banner of the shine down uh record label uh as a horse owner as well, all these different titles you have is it tough to be a, a version of you or is the, is is the is, is it like can you we'll use shine down for example because like everyone obviously knows uh shine down and you but could you talk about what the version of like your happiness like the the best version of you whether it's outside of Shine Down, inside of Shine Down, is there a weight that comes from being in Shine Down that kind of stifles a version of you that could be happier or a version of you that might be different than what you people perceive you as in Shine Down? Yeah, I'm uh I'm a student of that and I'm constantly learning how to try to be myself, but also 
it's an interesting place to be because I'm learn I am learning how to be myself. In the past couple of years, I've really started to figure out uh that I'm dishonoring, I feel like I'm dishonoring the band and I'm dishonoring the fans and the people that love what we do if I don't show them who I really am. For better or worse. Cause me as a as a it's an interesting line between that and trying to be larger than life when you need to be. Correct. Because because I, you know, we, I've said this a, a bunch to to people privately, and I've said it in public as well. Is you know, I get paid to be a rock star for two hours every night, and then I get to be myself again. And so when I step on stage, there is a switch that goes off. I'm still myself. That's still part of me. What's interesting is the nights when I don't feel like that guy at all. Like I have a lot of anxiety on stage some nights, and yeah, and a lot of bad voices in my head telling me that I'm, I'm fat or I'm ugly or, yeah, I, I, you know, my maybe my voice is ragged out and thrashed, and I still have to sing, so I'm not going to sound as good as I normally do. And, uh, you know. To quote Mel Brooks, everyone's going to find out I'm a fraud. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but it's it, it's interesting being that guy and wanting to be dynamic and give people a show and be myself. Um, the the unfortunately for me, the real me is pretty boring. I'm not I'm not super exciting. I wish I were. I, I think we talked about this on another podcast. I yep. wish I was the person that lit up a room and was had that X factor personality that people were drawn to. I, I'm never gonna be that. That's that's something I've had to come to terms with. Um no. But you're that person for other people though. I don't know. I don't know if I am or not. Um I look, I look at myself, even I I watched two episodes ago i think i watched the podcast the first time i've watched it well, i did do the first one I was, I was in the chat for a minute when we did the first one yep um but you know i'm kind of i kind of look at myself and i'm like man you're kind of boring dude <laughs> you know but it's just who i am i can't be anybody other than this um and if people like that if people like listening to this then i appreciate that very much because you're 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 listening to the authentic me and you're getting the authentic me with shine down but they're there's a lot of stuff that that I have to do with Shine Down that 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 I just because of my personality I wish I didn't have to do. We have a, a photo shoot coming up this week, and it's just not me, right? It's not it's not that I'm ashamed of it or anything. Uh, it's just uh, it's why I hate I hate videos and photo shoots. I can't stand video shoots. I can't stand photo shoots. Yeah, uh, because they feel inauthentic to me. But that's forced. something that very I, forced. Yeah, but that's something that's something that I have to do. You know, I have you're not you can't be in a band and not have video content or 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 photographs. You know, they're always trying to get people are always trying to get me to do TikTok stuff or or Dude, that Instagram video was posts. awesome. Where you do the twerk? <laughs> Damn, you move so well. I, Dino hit me up this morning and it said something about that. And I just said, Man, I, I did my best to shake this narrow ass. Got you on an assault bike. <laughs> he will. Uh, but uh I I don't mind doing I don't mind doing those things if it's authentic. 
and I'm not going to say that what that that TikTok I made was 100% authentic. You know, it was it was a trend, right? She, you know, I, we're, I'm being asked like, and I know what the trend is. You know, I'm you know, I'm a musician. Of course, I'm going to do this. I'm yeah. a musician. Of course, I'm you know, I've seen the trend, right? I don't dig trends. I don't like trends. I never have. Uh, but I said I would do this, and I did it. So the most authentic thing in there is me doing that dance because it was like. I'm running out of things to say we're off tour. Of course we're, and I'm like, you know, this is stupid. Like, I don't want to do this. That, that, that's the problem. I'm, yeah. I'm a grumpy old man. That's my personality. Right. So, uh, no one wants to see a grumpy old man in a band. So yes, I have to modify myself sometimes to be yeah, not grumpy old man. Um, I'm not old, older, grumpy, older man. Uh, but, uh, but we talk about the weight, though. I wrote that down. the The weight uh, comes from trying to keep up appearances, and as long as you're not trying to keep up appearances, if you're not lying about anything or you're not trying to keep up appearances, then there's no weight. You know, there's no weight associated with it. I went through a long period of <clears throat> drinking heavily uh, to be able to be somebody else. You know, I was, I'm a lot more fun. I'm I'm really fun when I'm drunk, man. Like super fun. I'm not boring, grumpy old man. I'm the opposite. Uh, but that's an avatar. It doesn't. It's yeah. not real, you know. And I wake up the next morning and I'm sad because I'm still, I'm still Ugh. me. Yeah. I'm sad because I'm still me, and that's a terrible way to be. Um. So the weight comes with that stuff. The weight comes with lying about things to make yourself sound better than you are or appear better than you are. Um the 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 that weight gets lifted with authenticity and with just accepting who you are and accepting how you are i mean look i struggle an awful lot man i still do i've had people online laugh at me about it when i've posted things which sucks but it's just the nature of people being assholes yeah. i guess but uh i look i struggle with my physical appearance like big time like you know i don't i you know i i have a i have a you know sort of a mug face and <laughs> You know, my I think my legs look weird. I hate my legs. Uh, and people laugh about that shit, but it's just true. I'd rather just say it and get it out there. Again, that lifts the weight when I can say those things. Yeah. But but I, but feeling that way doesn't ever get fun. You know, like I, I wish that, uh, again, I wish I were more attractive. I wish that I had a great personality. And But hey, man, that just comes with it. It's just part of it. And, and it's part of this package that, I, that I've got. And, uh, so I've, again, the weight, like right now, there's no weight at all. Like there's nothing. Yeah. I'll feel, I'll feel a bit of a weight when we do that photo shoot because it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's smile, look at the camera, you know, act this way and act that way. And, and. I love the version of you where we're doing like those photo shoots for videos and and the the wardrobe people come in. Oh, dude, then, I can't like stand the day it. before and then it's like everyone like the few other bad guys and me and Sanjay just sitting there licking our lips going I can't wait for Eric to come in here and the last time was actually you were done before everyone else like the, yeah I I had to the, apologize to those people though man I was I I, I acted out a little bit with that I, I wasn't acting out but so we were doing uh it was the dead don't die war, and uh daylight uh, dead don't die and and uh and simply being human yeah wardrobe yeah. stuff and these these two lovely individuals, man, lovely awesome. people, really, really great. 
uh no 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 it wasn't that it was something else it wasn't that it was it was the ryan and kelly thing that's what it was yeah not, yeah. not ryan and kelly what's it? mark and kelly mark show. and kelly yeah New York City. And yep. that's what it was, because I, I, I think I think I did okay at the video shoot stuff, but I just I'm comfortable. Most of the time, I wear white t-shirt, black pants, bands. That's that's my that's what I roll in. And uh, <laughs> something interesting happens when you're in a rock band and you get stylists is is they uh, they automatically have this idea of what. A rock band is and what we want to wear and it's always some kind of button-up shirt vest thing and it's like i it, it pisses me <laughs> off man it makes me feel it's, it's weird it's like it's like can we can we not do this and then the thing about the the mark and kelly show is oh you're going on daytime television so we have to make you harmless looking yeah right take the edges off yeah we can't have you be edgy at all and this is coming from the top down right uh which i get so, and so, yeah, sure. You're trying to. What did I say? I've said this before on the on on this show as well. Is is as soon as you hit send on that email with your music, it becomes a product, and you're a product. I'm a product. It's on some level, right? Um. So I don't not understand it. It's just I want to be authentic, you know. And I and so when I when I walk into one of these things and they hand me a pair of slacks and a black button up, and I'm just like, this is <laughs> fucking it, like. And I guess what I wore the slacks and the black button up, and I played the fucking song, and I was done. I got I, I was I, I I did the thing. Uh, and by the way, it's not it's not a slight at 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 dude that Mark and Kelly show have been awesome to us over the years. Like like they're great people. It's oh, not they're them. Great. They're it's great, not yeah. them. They 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 made no requests whatsoever. They just want us on their show. Uh, this is like more internal stuff. Um, but uh, I'd rather just can't we just wear what we wear and just be us like can i just wear this white t-shirt black pants and brent wear whatever he's wears on a date if this is what we're doing for this thing is just being ourselves can't we just be ourselves do we have to put on do i have to put on something that i would never wear ever in a billion fucking years uh but that's what i did you know i had to do it and interesting enough man it was like the the, the final tweak for my brain was i put the outfit on and I cuffed my pants up a little bit, not not tight roll, but just cuffed them up a little bit, made them a little shorter, because it, you know, that felt like I, I felt like when I looked at myself, it's like it made it like a little more something. And we're getting ready to get on the elevator to go down to the show, and the guy who's one of the stylists goes, "Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on," and he uncuffs my pants for me. Okay, you look great. I'm like. I'm going to stab somebody right now. <laughs> and the thing is, is I went up there like when, those two, those two poor individuals though, I walked in there with a bad attitude, which I shouldn't have done. And I apologized to them later and I thanked them for their time and, yeah. and apologized for the way I acted, man. But like, I just walked in there like, I don't fucking care. Do you like it? Do you like the way this looks? Do you, is this doing it for you? Great. I'm fine with it. I was literally in and out. Cause I just didn't yeah. like what, what's the point of me going through and finding things I like? Cause every time I find something I like, they go, no, 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 not so much that. And it's like, yeah. Never mind. Then why is the option there to begin with? Right. Don't give me any options. Just, <laughs> right. just, 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 ha just hand me the busboy outfit and send me down to the fucking show. Right. You know, it's like uh, the only thing I was missing was it was a was a fucking napkin. You know, I could have bust I could have bust tables and uh, all night long in that outfit. So, <laughs> and that's just what it is. Go back and watch it. Yeah. I'm with my busboy outfit. Yeah. Slacks. I've still got the stuff in my in my in my closet. I've still got it, and I'm like. 
I mean, I thought about it. Here's the thing. Interestingly enough, I put the pants on the other day because Kelly and I were going out to dinner at this nicer restaurant. And I was like, nope, <laughs> I, I wouldn't even wear them to dinner. <laughs> but could I try them on just to see if they worked? And I was like, no, I'm not doing this. So, so yeah, man, it's, it's, um, it's, uh, I think it's why I don't do, I don't, I don't get asked to do, uh, shine down interviews that much. Like I don't do hardly, I don't get asked to do, even though, uh, you know, I make the records and spend a lot of time with them and, you know, write the records and, and I know, more, I know more about our records than any other human being. Yeah, because because I make you know I I assemble them I put them together I I know what making them tick and work and and move. Now, do you think and, is is that on you now? Save for the next album to be like whoever does the PR. Uh, hey, if producer stuff and engineering and all this intricate crazy shit officers come in, let me be your guy. Well, no, I I can absolutely when when that stuff comes in, but I'm just talking in general. Like, uh, uh, I spoke with Brent about this recently. It was like, dude, I. Like, I make this stuff too. Like I, oh I'm, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I got it. I, yeah, I mean, it, for 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 the majority of Planet Zero, it was just he and I in a room at the same time, bringing these things into being, and I never get to talk about them, and so I never get asked to talk about them. I never get given the interviews. Uh, and, and by the way, I realized it's because I'm probably pretty fucking boring. I talk like this and no one's interested in the, no one's interested in the stuff I'm interested in. I'm interested in, you know, the, the, the more the woo woo aspect of songwriting and, and yeah. how things come into being and what the song really means. And, and, and then also how it was made. Like I find that stuff interesting. You know, I, I the things that interested me in, in interviews with bands that I loved growing up was, was, you know, Oh, we used this guitar on this song because it did this, and and then this element we used this piano, or we used a string section, and and this synthesizer, and 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 so people get bored with that stuff, man. They want to see the, they want to, they want to hear, they want to hear from the the front man with the personality, and and so that's why I don't get a lot of those interviews, and I know that's why, even though no one will say it, thousand percent why, uh, and so I've just had to be okay with that. I've had to get okay with with not being able to talk about these things that I make, you know? <laughs> and maybe that's, maybe that's, maybe that's for the best. I might ruin it for people. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I might tell them things they don't want to know. Who knows? Yeah. But, like, but, but at the end of the day, but again, and I said, I talked to Brent about it recently. Like, that's on me. That's not on him or anything. It's just, it's, uh, it, it's not, uh, you know, we're not arguing about it or anything. Uh, you know, we, we quite the opposite. You know, we, uh, uh, I mean, it's a world-class problem. It's a great problem to have. Yeah. In terms of everything else that could go wrong in this industry for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think it's important to have a mouthpiece, man. And, and, uh, you know, just like, uh, you know, guys in Foo Fighters don't really do interviews. Dave Roll does, you know, it's like, it's Corey Taylor does all the interviews. Corey Taylor does all the interviews. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it, that has that has good and bad things that go with it, man. I mean, you you have, uh, you know, again, you're getting to see the dynamic personality and talk to the person who who knows how to how to sell the donuts. You know, 
I'm not saying I, I don't really know how to sell the donuts. I can make the donuts, but not you can definitely the eat the donuts. I can eat the donuts. We can eat the donuts for sure, dude. I put I've got about 20 pounds of donuts. I got to get rid of. Um, but uh, the the downside is you don't get to hear from from anyone else or what they what their opinions on because Eric's back. We, we bring it full circle back to memory. You know, their memories of making it are different, and their experiences are different, and maybe they can bring some some uh bring to light some things that the other the other person like i liked remember. uh what i think it was plan zero that was during the pandemic right like this these last three years are just a sure man a blur uh <laughs> but that i don't know what song it was but you guys brought barry's drum set out in front of your house or studio and you like yeah, the we... down the driveway like stuff like that interests me more than oh yeah this is the song like I like that type of stuff. Yeah, so we did. We recorded two parts of two songs with a, a drum kit in my driveway outside. And the reason for that is because if you want a dry, what we call a dry drum sound, which means there's no reverb, there's no echo. It just sounds like uh, like you hit the drum and it's just dead. Yeah. Uh, tonally, it's good, but but vibe wise, there's no reverb. Uh, you can do that in a small room like this, but the problem with that is you get slapped back off of the walls or the microphones have a tendency if they, if they can't handle the volume of being in that room, small of space, they'll distort and overload. Uh, so if you go outside and do it, <clears throat> if you can, if you had the place to do that, uh, you still won't get any reverb reverberation cause it's going away, but it doesn't overload the microphones. It's more of a, an open sound without being echoey uh uh an example would be uh stone temple pilots record called tiny music from the vatican gift shop i think is the name of it, it had like uh holes in a paper heart and uh yeah uh, uh lady picture show and uh some of those songs those all those drums were done outside so they're they're dry um so we did that on a couple of songs. Uh, the the only thing that made it onto the record was the verses in uh, uh, Sure is Fun. The verses, the drums and the verses are done outside. And then on the chorus, we brought them, the drums inside into the big echoey room for that. Uh, and there's one other song that we did that I don't know if we'll ever release it or not, but the whole song is, is the drums outside. Nice. So... Uh, but yeah, I mean, just I I, enjoy, I always enjoyed stuff like that, like the, the the technical things about records, and that's why I like making records. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so it's it's uh, it's a it's it's an interesting dance between being enough of yourself to be authentic, but trying in those moments where you need to be dynamic, like in a meet and greet or something. I'm gonna be more outgoing and more talkative than I would normally be just because it's not about me in that moment. It's about the fans. Right. And on stage. Yes. I mean, me, me moving around and jumping around is absolutely 1000% part of my DNA. I, I don't know how to perform otherwise, but there are nights when I don't have it. When I go out there, I don't feel like that guy, but I better act like that guy. Um, so there's, it's a, it's a give and take for sure. But, I am happy that I've, I've become more comfortable with myself and the, and who I am and just coming to terms with who I am for good, for better or worse, or for interesting or boring or whatever. Right. And, uh, just being all right with that. 
you know it it is it is a lot less weighty to use that word again to to walk around as yourself not try to walk around as some avatar that you're not yeah well i think this is a good week good episode good 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 job john you listen good. you listen to me ramble for two hours uh, again I, I, still... I, sw I swear i think we need to rotate back and forth where i just i ask you stuff because you know i feel like all i do is run my run my mouth i'm still trying to figure and, out what you're talking about the roofing for a little bit oh the hip roof no i'm just joking yeah i'll draw it i'll draw a hip roof here we go so last thing i'm gonna do for today i think it, it kind of reminds me of my old uh playmobile barn i used to have i think that's the shape you're describing yeah so a hip roof this is a terrible drawing Oh, that's really bad. Hang on. We got to see that picture for sure. <laughs> that's going to be a post. <laughs> so, so yeah, so a hip roof is is here. I'll just just it just looks like this. A hip roof looks like that. Ah, yeah. So, so can, it comes down this way too. Look at trapezoid you know. almost. Yeah. And so when you get to the corners of a hip roof, is this what is what I was talking about earlier? I'm really going to bore people now. This is great. Everyone's going to turn this off right now. So when you get to the to the corner of a hip roof, like here, See this? Yep. You, you have the rafters running this way, right? You have the yep. rafters that are running down this way, and then you have rafters. So these rafters or these 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 trusses running this way, and then you have these trusses running this way. But the one in the corner right here, this one, yep, has to be to turn that corner has to be a bit longer than these and these and at a flatter angle so you have to know that ah, math to turn yeah. that, to turn that corner there you go that's what i was talking about i i uh all the roof roof on my studio is is a hip roof the roof of my house is a hip roof and so i built a woodshed recently and i wanted it to match so i hadn't done a hip roof in a long time and i had to remember that i had to look it back up and remember that math and it's 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 not easy but again i wonder if someone who has dementia who built hip roofs a bunch in their lives would still have that that ability and that knowledge. I I I have a feeling they would. Yes. I mean, I wonder if I'd be pissed if you're like if all the stuff you've lived your life, you're getting like you're 97, you're you're getting close to the see the light and you just you want some other memory and all you can get in your head is just how to build a roof. You're just like pissed. <laughs> like stop it. Yeah. Uh I don't know, man. Who knows? I, I, that's another interesting topic for another time is like what, you know, maybe what's going through your mind or through somebody's mind when they're passing away. I wonder what that's like, because I've experienced a couple of different things with different family members and it's wildly different with each one of them. Yeah. So, who knows? Yeah. So we can definitely do that. Cause like even my dad, he was in a coma for a little over a month and like some of his vivid memories of what he assumed we were doing because he could hear us the whole time. And that's mm. a whole other wild concept. Yeah. Like, can you imagine hearing something and and not even being able to remotely? Like, it's just, yeah. I just yeah. love talking about the brain. It's super fascinating to me. Yeah, man. It's, um, you know, yeah. I, th th that coma thing scares me, man, because you have. <sighs> Not to take us down a whole other rabbit hole right here at the end. I thought we were ending, and now we're not. Uh, yeah, the, we the can hubr just tease them. The the hubris sometimes that comes with uh, with the medical community 
like we know what's going on and yeah you know you don't and this don't is what's going to happen right we know we know what's really going on and yet how many times have have people been said that you know oh this person's brain dead miracles and and we're going to pull the plug because they're brain dead. They, I have no brain activity whatsoever. And this speaks to maybe to a possibility of a, of a, of a soul, right? That those people that are brain dead, that, you know, that are going to get the plug pulled because the doctors say they're, they're a vegetable and it's finished somehow come out of it and remember all of the conversations, including the conversation about pulling the plug. Yeah. You know, and this hubris of, of the medical community, not everyone in the medical community, not not painting a broad stroke, just there are doctors who, you know, maybe they hate their job, maybe they're unhappy or something, you know, but they but they've got in their head that they know everything and no one else knows anything and there's nothing left to learn. They know it all. And those are the people that scare me, man. I had a doctor, had some surgery done last year and uh Doctor is a super nice guy. Uh, uh, well, I, just had, I had kidney stone surgery, right? I had that's that's I had the I had to have that I had that kidney stone that was that was uh, blocking my uh, what is it? Not the not the urethra. What is it? The the uh, it's called the ureter or something. It's something up high. I forget what the name of it is. Uh, but anyway, the tube coming out of the kidney to the you know anyway, it was just super painful. Um, but I was trying to go in with him into like, well, why did, how did I get these kidneys? Like what, where's, cause th that was, that was like the third kidney stone, fourth kidney stone I'd had in a year. Right. At that point. Uh, or pretty close to it. And I was just asking him, I'm like, why is this happening? Like, like I'm trying to figure out why I'm getting these kidney stones because I, I want to stop it. I don't want it to happen again. And I, I did a bunch of research and found out that excessive amounts of vitamin D can cause kidney stones. Well, I had been taking a COVID protocol that included a lot of vitamin D at some point. So maybe that was it. Uh, I've been drinking Topo Chico's and calcium water that, yeah. that, that have, that have a ton of calcium in them, like 70 milligrams per bottle. And maybe it was that. Uh, and there was, and then I said, I've been under a lot of stress making the record and everything. And, and I've heard that stress can cause that. And I'm going over this stuff with him. He's like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, he just wasn't interested at all in what was causing it. Right. He just, he's like, you know, I can, I can do the surgery, but I'm not really interested in going through this with you and figuring out why it's happening. Uh, conversely, I found another doctor that I that I've started to go see, who is wildly interested in whys and wildly interested in like, and he'll be like, I don't know, but I'm gonna go do a bunch of reading and we can find out, you know, and that's just refreshing. Yeah. And so I I will probably uh never go back to that urologist again who I went to because I'm again, if that's you if, if you're that just like I don't know, I don't care. Not, not that I don't know, I don't care. If you're that I don't care about it. Uh, uh, I've studied I enough have, that I know about it. Yeah. Well, all he cares about is, yeah, you got a kidney stone. I'll get it out. Yeah. And then I'm gonna go. Then I'm gonna go play golf or go fishing or something. You're a paycheck. Yeah. yeah. Right. But but those are the people that scare me. You talk about like there's a do there are doctors like that who are telling people to pull the plug because they know. Uh, you know, I know what's I know what's going on. I got it all figured. I went to school. I got it all figured out. Brain dead. 
can't hear anything, doesn't even know you're here, no reaction to your voice whatsoever. You know, that squeeze that you thought you got from the finger isn't that. It's it's muscles it's, contracting. It's, it's muscles it's, contracting yeah. and then and then fast Atrophy forward to and, yeah. fast forward to two weeks later, the person wakes up, they don't pull the plug, and they remember everything that was going on in the room. You know, and and I don't know if the doctor still cares at that point. You know, if he if, he, if they still really realize that that, you know, and again, that might be attributable to a maybe the doctor's right. Maybe there is no brain activity, maybe there is maybe that's just the someone's spirit in the room who who's absorbing the consciousness is absorbing this stuff i don't know who knows but the fact that we have enough of these uh uh to, to your dad with your dad we have enough of these cases of people being in comas or being technically brain dead where they remember things should be enough for people to go okay we're not pulling plugs anymore yeah you know like i remember with my dad they pulled my mom in and I was with my sisters by the hospital. We're uh, bringing the women's to Boston and they're like, Hey, it's been over a month. Like this is the time we have to start getting paperwork done in case we have to pull the plug and all this stuff. And my mom's like insurance, you know how insurance is like, you can't keep paying for all this stuff. And yeah. my mom goes, you need to give him more time. And the doctor uh, who did the whole surgery was open about his faith. He wore a crucifix, like just an awesome guy. Yeah. Other people yeah. on that team or the kind of people you're talking about, super book smart, really didn't openly talk about a faith and religion, and they'd always see us pray. And mm-hmm. so this lead doctor was like, you know what? You're going to get more time. Don't worry about it. I remember my sisters and I, my mom, we do like a circle of my dad in the bed, and we do like a bunch of Hail Marys and pray for the intercession of Mary to wake my dad up. I go off to school uh, later that day later or so, back to college. My sisters are home. And then two days later, my dad wakes up. Mm. And like he vividly wakes up remembering the prayer and like mm. all like this, this stuff like that, where it's like if we didn't have a religion, and I don't I don't want to alienate people that don't have a faith or believe in something like this, but if we were like, you know what, it's been a month, we tried our best, we prayed, didn't come, just whatever, shit out of luck. Sorry, dad, love you. But the fact we did, and the fact that some of these doctors had major egg on their faces major mm-hmm. like well we yeah. it's a miracle it's gotta be a miracle and it's yeah. like well it's okay to have that stuff it's okay to be a really good doctor but believe in miracles too because we don't have all the answers right and so like ever ever since then and stuff i've always had like this it's not a disdain for doctors but it's for disdain for people that can't accept the fact that you don't have all the answers and there might be a higher power driving some of the influences and some of those reactions and acts that come out of this stuff I, I know we talked about faith earlier and how, you know, faith is, is, is having belief in something that you can't see, smell, taste yeah, or whatever, but I have had experiences. So I guess that does make faith a little easier. And I can say this, if there is anyone out there that, 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 that is struggling in their life and they've tried everything else, Try something that has to do with faith. I'm not saying it's Christianity. It can be whatever you want it to be. You can be whatever you're called. I'll tell you one thing. There's not nothing. You know, there is right. definitely there's something. something. At, yeah. There is something at play that I can't explain because I've experienced it. It's it's uh, and it doesn't answer all the questions and it doesn't make, you know, in some cases it doesn't fix all the problems in your life. It can fix some problems in your life. 
if 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 you need it. But um, and if you go too it, far with some of it, it could cause more problems. Like right. there's some of those other. Side yeah. Of it. Well. Well. Yeah. I, I, again, it's it's just I'm talking about a personal relationship with something greater than yourself. Yeah. And I, all I know is that when I plug into it, things happen. For the good, you know, not always what I want, but things happen that lead to 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 good things and lead to great places. And yeah. so, um, it's uh, there's so much we don't know, man. Wild. We'll end it there, dude. All right, let's end it for real. End it for real. So, what do you think about DNA splicing? Later. Bye. <laughs> looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. Kids, I'm your eager beaver. And I'm Mr. Grizzly. If you love politics or hate politics, then have we, we the perfect, perfect podcast for you. The True North Eager Beaver. Incisive political commentary. We keep you up to date and give you the political and media literacy you seek to help you cut through the bovine fecal matter. Facts first. Sound analysis. Sometimes I growl. Sometimes I sass. We impart civics and build community. And we share some laughs along the way. Being informed and engaged has never been more fabulous. Or sexy. Catch us on, on the Dean Blundell Network. Or on our YouTube channel. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Because, because democracy, democracy is, is something, something you do. do.